Hey guys, this is Russ, and this is The Overlook. So today we're going to talk about the disappearance of Enrique Garibay Ruiz. He's a Hispanic male from Mexico. Now, he was visiting the Los Angeles, California area from Hungary, where he lived with his wife and his kids. He actually arrived in the U.S. on September 15th, and then he touched down in Los Angeles on September the 25th, 2017. Now, he was due back to Hungary on October 5th, but he never made it to a flight. He was 51 years old at the time of his disappearance. Now, Enrique was born in Guanajuato, Mexico. He went to college in Hungary where he met and married his wife. Now, at the time of his disappearance, he was a professor, a nuclear physicist, a mathematician, and a writer. Now, while in California, Enrique stayed at Melrose Hostel in 600 block of Northwestern Avenue and was driving a rented gray 2017 Toyota RAV4 with a license plate number 7VGJ780. He was last seen driving away from the hostel at 1 p.m. on October 5th, 2017. He actually spoke to his wife that day, and when they're on the phone, he told her that he was just waiting on standby for a flight home. Now, he was actually due to return his car on this very same day, but that never happened. And in fact, that car was never found. Now, different articles state different reasons why he was in the U.S. Some articles say he came here to meet with fellow scientists and other articles say that he came here to meet with local editors because he was trying to publish a book. Regardless of that, what we end up finding out is that he had charges on his card the day before he disappeared and the day after he disappeared. Now, he disappeared on October 5th, but October 4th, he had a charge on his card from Avis Renner Center, and on October 5th, he had a charge on his card from Carl's Jr. Restaurant. Again, the Carl's Jr. Restaurant was a day after he disappeared. Now, his family reported him missing on October 9th, and they reported this to the Los Angeles Police Department. The, the police department was eventually able to confirm that Enrique did not board any aircraft and that the Toyota RAV4 had still not been returned to the rental company. Now, initially, Enrique's case was treated as a voluntary disappearance because there was really no proof or evidence that any type of crime had been committed. Now, in an article with Univision.com titled Enrique, por favor, regresa a casa. La súplica tres la misteriosa desposición de un científico mexicano en Los Angeles. Which translates to Enrique, please come home. The plea after the mysterious disappearance of a Mexican scientist in Los Angeles. And to my Spanish-speaking listeners, if I butchered that, I tried my best and I apologize. Now, in this very same article, the author actually went to the LAPD's Missing Persons Unit page and they quoted the page where it basically says that voluntary disappearances are not a crime. Adults are allowed to walk away from their lives. They're allowed to ignore family, friends, associates, employers. And since this type of behavior is not criminal, detectives are limited to how they can conduct an investigation. So... Okay, we know that he disappeared on the 5th, but there's charges on his car on the 6th, and he was in a rented car that he never returned. So I know what you're thinking. If he was in a rented car, why hasn't the car company tried to track or locate this car? 
Well, according to Ava's policy notice I was able to find online, they actually do have GPS on many of their cars. They actually have in their policy that they are allowed to use this GPS to find the car if needed. But according to that Univision article, family states that the car service did not make any reports of the car missing at the time that this article was published. Now, this article was published 43 days after he went missing, which means it was 43 days after he was due to turn the car in. Now, at the time of this article, the family said that they asked Ava's car rental company to proceed legally against Enrique so detectives could turn this into an investigation. So detectives could ask a judge to grant the permission to look at surveillance videos, emails, and phone activities. Now, family says that the car company really pushed back on this. Now, investigators were eventually able to label this a missing persons case, and they began checking local hospitals. They consulted with officials at the Los Angeles County Coroner's Office, and they also checked his bank accounts and cell phone records, but they found no activity. It also appeared as if his phone was actually turned off by time they were able to get his records. Now, his family did set up a GoFundMe page um, in efforts to try to find him. Currently, it's closed. It looked like they were only able to raise about $350. Now, the GoFundMe page had no information on it, but I was able to find a website, missingpersonsofamerica.com, which stated that they had a paragraph from this particular GoFundMe page. The paragraph reads that Enrique was working as a freelance scientist at the time of his disappearance, and he was currently writing some books. The quote goes on to say that he was in the U.S. to visit fellow scientists and people who he was friends with. Now, it appears at the time that this post was written, the police actually did label him a missing person. And according to the article written in December of 2017 on Proceso.com titled, They Are Looking for the Mexican Scientist Enrique Garbe, disappeared in Los Angeles 25 days ago. In this article, his niece summarizes their whole interaction with the Avis company said, you know, look, my uncle rented this car. He hasn't turned it back in, but they refused to file anything on this car. They also gave a lot of pushback on even verifying that Enrique was the person who used the car. Even worse, they were extremely reluctant to even show surveillance video to the police. Now, Enrique's sister, she demanded that the Mexican authorities also get involved. And on October the 19th, the Consulate of Mexico issued an alert for his disappearance. And what the family could gather, it seemed like he did not leave the U.S. Now, I was able to find Enrique's blog since we hear certain articles talking about him possibly trying to publish a book. And we also hear families saying that he was a writer at the time. I found his blog, but it looks like the last time he posted on it was 2012. Uh, It's enriquegarbe.blogspot.com. Now on this blog, he talks about different things that he was working on in brief detail. It seems that at least in 2012, he was working on writing about the human experience, a short story about human conditions, one essay on Europe and the job creation in Europe in the Mediterranean. It really seemed like it was nothing too ominous or secretive or conspiracy related. I was able to find one published article by him, but this was in the Journal of Pediatrics. Again, it was nothing secretive. It was nothing that 
you would align with, oh, maybe it was the FBI or the CIA that was out to get him because he was out here spreading information to the masses. It was nothing like that. Honestly, he seemed like a really big humanitarian and that he just wanted to improve human conditions. Now, thanks to all the amazing, amazing people on Web Sloops, we are able to find that the Carl Jr. restaurant was across the state from a parking lot that belonged to the airport. Now, it was never confirmed this was the Carl's restaurant that he was last charged at, but it seems likely. One thing we do eventually find out is that this Carl's purchase was made at 321 a.m. Now, this is odd because he was supposed to be at the airport waiting for a flight. And surely there were other eating venues that he could have just ate in the airport. Why leave the airport to walk over to Carl's Jr. at 3 a.m.? And according to what I can find, this Carl's Jr., it wasn't like it was directly across the street. It would have been about 13 to 15 minute walk or 25 minute shuttle ride. Now, again, he did not return the car, so it's very possible he could have drove there. And again, that would have been a five minute drive. But it's odd if he still had the car because according to everything we know, he planned on leaving that day. So why would he still have the car at 3 a.m. that day? Because if he's on standby, he doesn't know when he's going to get called to be able to take a flight. So it's not like he can say, well, I'll keep the car to three o'clock because my flight isn't to five. No, pretty much when you arrive at the airport, most people would check the car in at that point in time. But that did not happen. So it leaves us to wonder, why wasn't the car checked in? How did he get to Carl's Jr. at 3 a.m.? And why was he going to Carl's Jr. at 3 a.m. when he was at one of the largest airports in the U.S. where there's tons of things open, there's tons of eateries. Even at 3 a.m., they had places that he could eat at. His family does have a Facebook. Everything is in Spanish on his Facebook, but it seems like there was posts all the way to 2020. Most of the posts seem to be about missing him and wishing him a happy birthday, but there really seems like there's no updates. If you want the name of that Facebook, it's Busca Kike. Now, on charlierosewordpress.com, under a blog, the 2019 post titled National Hispanic Heritage Month, Enrique Garibay Ruiz, a commenter states that they were his daughter. And her comment reads, I'm Enrique's daughter. Thank you for writing this. I appreciate it. I would like to clarify some things, though. Firstly, he didn't stay after college in Hungary. My parents studied in the U.S. doctorate in the U.S., then moved to Mexico, where I basically grew up. We only came to Hungary afterwards. My point is, they didn't decide to stay after college. He actually worked in Mexico. We don't think that he went voluntarily missing for several reasons. Many factors indicate that he might have been kidnapped or killed by someone. Investigators believe he may have been held by a, some illegal organization as he was a physicist, although we obviously cannot know for sure. Reminding people of the missing is very important. Thank you for this very much. Kind regards, PG. Now, this comment was left on November 28th, 2019, and I can't find anything online in any news articles or official records where police state that they believe he was kidnapped or murdered. And to be honest, I can't really find anything with the police really talking to the public, talking to media outlets about this case at all. The comment 
did not disclose what are the many factors that they're talking about that seem to indicate that he may have been kidnapped or murdered. Now, if this is his daughter, then I get it. She does not have to share that with us. That is something that it's totally within her rights to keep to herself. But as a follower, as someone looking into the case, it kind of makes it hard for us to make heads or tails of this because one, it's a random comment on the internet. We can't verify that this was his daughter. And two, saying many factors is kind of vague. These are things that we do know. Okay. He rented a car a day before he was supposed to leave. Though at that point he had been in the U.S. for about 20 days. He managed to get around without a car for 20 days, but the day he had to leave, he needed to rent a car. And again, the car was not returned. That seems a little bit odd. Now, also, it seemed like he was a fairly successful man, but he was staying at a hostel. And hostels are typically known for more of the backpack travelers. I mean, it's shared quarters that are very tight. There's no privacy. It's usually four to six strangers in one room sharing a bathroom. It just seemed odd. Even when you go on different threads on like web sleuths and other crime junkie pages, you'll find many people mentioning this and kind of just wrapping their heads like something seems odd about him staying at a hostel. And then we have that he called his wife. We know he called her on the 5th and said, hey, I am waiting on standby. But if this was so, where was the car? Again, if you're waiting on standby and you have a car, a rented car, it would just make sense to turn the car in that day. This car was never turned in. And then also, again, Avis is acting really weird about even trying to return this car. Now, some people speculate, well, yeah, they let him keep the car longer. They can bill more. And yes, that's a thing. But police are involved. Police are asking them to handle surveillance. Police are asking them questions. And it seems like, again, they were still reluctant. to be at the LAX airport. The LAX airport is huge. This is 2017. There has to be cameras all over the place. But there's no word if they ever looked at these cameras, if they saw him on the cameras, if he was even at the airport at all. And that seems a bit odd because this would seem like a place where you would find plenty of video footage if the person was there. Now, there's many theories about this case. The first theory that you will kind of hear around the web is that, is it possible that he disappeared on his own? That maybe he met with editors and things didn't go well and he was frustrated and he felt like a failure and didn't want to return home? Now, I find this highly unlikely, one, because it seems like he was already a published author. And as a published author, I believe he would know the ropes of the game. When you are a writer, you, you submit your work to multiple places. You get rejected from multiple places. It's a part of the game. Some of the biggest writers in history have had their most successful works turned down by two, three, four agencies before someone finally published them. I, have, I find it hard to believe this is something that he would have taken so personally to the point that 
it messed with his self-esteem and he wouldn't return home. It doesn't seem very likely. Also, we have that on the quotation that we have from the missing persons page states that this is a quotation from the GoFundMe page. That particular paragraph states that he actually went there to visit friends. Now, if this is the paragraph from the GoFundMe page before it was taken down, that means this was written by his wife. So where the whole he was trying to get a publisher thing came from, I'm not 100% sure, but it seems like his main goal, at least according to that paragraph, which we believe was written by his wife, was to actually visit friends. So again, that also throws a wrench into the whole maybe things with the editor didn't go as well blah 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 now another theory that people are kind of poking around with is again it's one of those did he possibly have a midlife crisis i mean he was in his 50s this is around the time people usually have their midlife crisis between 50 and 60 years old but again there's really nothing to support this so when he was down there he was talking to family it didn't seem like anything was going on it didn't seem like family had any concerns again family was very invested in this case and I believe something like that is something that they would have told the public because that's something that could have helped find him as I always say we have the missing cars so of course there's theories about hey is it possible he drove into a lake and because this is california they're also asking you know what about him driving into a ravine falling off a cliff something like that and this is actually a possible theory this is one i can't make any heads or tails from and that's because we really don't know what the police did now it seems like family has more contact than police than police has had with the public so this might be a question that they know the answer to but from what I can find online, I really can't figure out what exactly the police did. So I don't know if they looked at lakes near that area. I don't know if they went to see, you know, hey, if he was at this hostel and he went to the airport, these are the roads he would have taken. Would he have been on any dangerous cliffs? Would he have been near any ravines? I don't really know because again, we can't really find a lot of information on exactly what the police did or did not do. Another theory that kind of comes up is maybe had some type of mental illness and he didn't take his medication or he just started developing symptoms there. I again I kind of dismiss this theory completely. One because family again family was very involved. I feel like if he had a mental illness especially since it's been so long the family would have revealed this because again that information is something that can help the case. But Again, that's something that's never mentioned. Not only that, when people are saying, well, okay, maybe this is a new psychosis. This is something that he just developed while he was there. Again, I also really don't think that's a likely thing to happen. One, because when we're talking about diagnosis such as schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, schizoaffective disorder, these are disorders that typically emerge around age 18 to 30. You, you don't hear about these disorders coming out to people in their 50s okay in the rare cases you do hear this it's really more because people had a lack of access to mental health care not that this mental illness just popped up out of nowhere no it was always there there was always signs people always kind of knew like yeah there's something going on but they just didn't have access to a mental health provider to actually get the 
official diagnosis. But again, he was a scientist. He was a professor. He was a writer. He was well-traveled. He spoke multiple languages. I believe he had access to mental health care. So I don't see that being a thing whatsoever. We also start hearing about possible kidnapping. Kind of like that comment said, he was a physicist. He was well-traveled. He spoke multiple languages. He was a professor. He was a writer. Is it possible that he was too friendly with someone and said too much information and let it be known that he was all these things and someone thought hey we should kidnap him we can use his skills his talents or you know we should kidnap him for a ransom and maybe he just didn't give his information we don't know but that is one of the theories that's out there and not just the kidnapping we also have the theory of people saying well if he did walk to that carl's jr restaurant his car was charged at 3:21 a.m. It's possible walking back at 3 something a.m. that someone may have stopped him, kidnapped him, robbed him, anything, because that's a dangerous time to walk along that area in general. So that is one of the things that's thrown out there. Unfortunately, that seems likely. Not as much the walking away from Carl's Jr. because I still have some doubt in my mind that. That was actually him that used that car. We have nothing that verifies that he used that car. Again, police might have that information. Family might have that information, but I cannot find it online. But we don't know if that's him. And to me, it just makes no sense for him to get hungry at 3 something a.m. and decide to walk 15 minutes on his own at 3 a.m. to get a burger and come back. That just it does not make sense to me. I mean, you're at an international airport. There's going to be places there that are 24 seven where he can get food. I just, I don't buy that whatsoever, but the kidnapping part I do buy. I mean, as far as kidnapping victims, this is someone that has a lot of skills that has a lot of knowledge. He is a very smart individual. That would make some sense. Also, you know, he's a professor. He is foreign. I can definitely see people thinking like, yeah, if we kidnap him, you know, either we can use him for something or we might be able to get some type of ransom for him. That actually isn't as far fetched as one might think especially since we have that comment from someone claiming to be his daughter saying that this was actually a scenario that the police gave them another issue i have with the whole kidnapping from cars junior restaurant is that again we still don't know where the car is if he didn't return the car where is the car if he had the car could have drove there um and drove back and i guess we don't know if he did or did not drive there but again there seems to be no evidence of the car ever making it back to the airport. Again, if he was at the airport, if he made it there, it just seems odd that he would not turn the car in. The Avis Center is at the airport, so why not turn the car in while you're there? Now, because of little details like that, you do have those people who, again, are just saying, you know, I think he walked away from his life. Him calling and saying, hey, I'm at the airport. Him never turning in the car and then we don't know what happens after that. For some people, this is like, yeah, that sounds like he walked away from his life. Now, I'm skeptical about this. The only reason I'm really skeptical about this is because, again, he seems like an intelligent man. To disappear with a rented car does not seem smart. If you don't want to draw attention to yourself, you you wouldn't take a rented car. You, you would hitchhike. You would take a bus, something like that. But for most people, in most cases, I believe when a rented car is not returned, the company usually starts looking for it. Now, for whatever reason, this Avis 
place had an issue, but most of us would think, yeah, after a couple days past due, they're going to come looking for this car. They're going to file a police report for this car. This is going to bring more attention to me. So it, to me, it's just not very likely that he would walk away with the car. Also, police, I'm assuming did a sweep of the airport, considering the things that we do know that they did. They checked with the coroner's office. They were able to confirm that he was not able to get on a plane. So I would think the police will also do a sweep of the airport parking lots. And if they did that and a car still not, not turn up, that does leave us to wonder, did he actually make it to the airport? Now, we know wife got a call saying that he was waiting for a plane on standby, but we have no idea if he even made that call of his free will. We have no idea if he was there and it just seemed like, yeah, it's not going to happen. And he decided, you know, let me take a walk or let me go somewhere else because it looks like this isn't going to happen today. Either way, it just leaves a lot of speculation where I can understand why some people are saying, hey, this is a no-go. I don't think he was captured. I don't think he was, I don't think he's being held against his will. I think he ran away. But again, we also have family members, not just wife and kids, because a lot of times when we hear wife and kids, people want to argue, yeah, you know, you have to believe whatever helps you sleep at night. But we also have other family members. We have people like his sister. We have people like his niece, people that can have a little bit more perspective. Also, people that might know him on a different level, on a different way than wife and kids like siblings that's a different type of relationship and they too are saying this is not something that he would do and I think we really need to take that in consideration especially when a person doesn't have a history of doing things like this and also especially when it just seemed like they had so many things planned to do in the future and they just suddenly disappear you know I know adults can walk away on their own and there are plenty of adults that walk away on their own. But a lot of times in these stories, you usually hear, yeah, they were depressed or yeah, they had just lost their job. and Yeah, things weren't good with the wife. You usually hear things like this, but it seemed like that was not the case for him. And it seems like he had future plans and it seems like things were good. Again, he had called family and said, yeah, I'm just waiting for a flight at this point of time. Unfortunately, this is all the information that I have on this case. But I do ask if you were in the LAX airport or the Avis Center or maybe that Carl's Jr. on the days we talked about, October 4th to October 6th. If you remember anything, if you go to my Instagram page, I'll post pictures of him. If his face rings a bell, maybe you weren't there. Maybe you just overheard some talking. You're like, yeah, I remember hearing to talk about Enrique guy around that time period. I ask that you do call the call the Los Angeles Police Department. You can reach them at 213-486-7000. That's 213-486-7000. Of course, I'll post this also on my Instagram. There is still a wife missing her husband. There's still kids missing their father and they deserve to know where he is. If he's coming back, what happened? If we can give his family that closure, by all means, let's do it. Now, this is all I have for the case. As always, I ask you guys be safe, be vigilant, and I'll have a new episode next Sunday.
Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.